0: You are listening to the Building Up Podcast, part of the Bible teaching ministry of Agape Church in Penson, Alabama. To learn more about Agape, please visit us online at agapepinson.com. Hello everyone, welcome in to episode number 15 of the Building Up Podcast. I am David, as always, so thankful that you are joining with us today. And I hope that this is profitable for you as we talk about how to battle temptation as a Christian. Now, temptation is something that all of us as Christ followers understand. Temptation itself is not sin, but temptation is what leads us to sin. Every one of us are tempted by different things. It may change from one Christian to another what we're tempted by, but we all know what it's like to fill that pull, to do that which is disobedient to God. What we're gonna look at today is kind of an agricultural illustration, if you will. I think there are, if we think of temptation as a seed that goes into the soil, I think there are certain factors that can be present in our life that are more conducive to that seed growing up into a plant that eventually produces the fruit of disobedience or sinfulness. And I think we can see some of those factors by looking at a passage of Scripture. Actually, the very first time that we're told human beings are tempted, to disobey God. Genesis chapter 3. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, please take that out and go to Genesis chapter 3 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 and we're just going to kind of stop as we go through this text and talk about three factors that if these things are present in our life are more conducive to temptation growing quickly, and efficiently and bountifully in our life producing sin. So verse 1 of Genesis 3, "...now the serpent was the most crafty of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden?" I'm going to pause there for a moment. The first thing that I want us to notice is that the serpent, which is the enemy of God, Satan, the same enemy we still deal with today, is called by the Bible, crafty, or in another translation, cunning. Now, this is an interesting word. If you go back and look at the original Hebrew, you can present that Hebrew word in either a positive sense or a negative sense. If you present it in a positive sense, you would translate it prudence or wisdom. If you present it in a negative sense, you would translate it as crafty or cunning. So essentially, this serpent, the enemy of God, has a defiled wisdom about him, a craftiness or a cunningness that he is using to draw these men, or this man and woman, eventually the entire human race, but this man and woman made in the image of God into his own rebellion or his own rebellious attitude. And so he's called crafty or cunning, and he goes to the the woman. And here we see the first environmental factor, if you will, that I think causes sin or temptation to grow quickly and bountifully in our life, producing sin. And that environmental factor is isolation. What we see here is this picture of this woman, Eve, being isolated. In particular, isolated away from God and community. Now, let's kind of walk through that for a moment. When I say she's isolated from God, I mean that we see no mention of God's presence here. We don't know exactly how that worked in the garden, but what I'm thinking of is you don't see Eve running to God. You don't see Eve looking for God. You don't see Eve calling out for God. Rather, this serpent is doing his best to isolate her away from God's presence. But not only that, community. Obviously, at this point in human history, community would have been her husband, who is there with her according to this text. We get to verse 6. We see that he is present. But he's not present in a meaningful way. He doesn't step in. He doesn't try to exhort her toward godliness. He doesn't try to keep her from following through with this temptation. There's no interaction between him and the serpent. So the serpent appears to be trying to isolate her, and I would commend to us that that is still the work of the enemy. He wants to put every Christian in an isolated position where they're not looking up to God for help, where they're not calling out for Christ, where they are isolated by themselves, even away from biblical community and from other men or women who would exhort them in the way they should go. And in isolation, temptation grows quickly. Uh, We may isolate ourselves. There may be uh, a hundred reasons that we do that. The enemy may use other things, divisiveness in the church or offensiveness between Christians or trouble in a marriage. He may use any of those tactics to try to get us to be isolated, even busyness to try to keep us from the gathering of the believers. But He will do that in order to keep us isolated because in isolation, temptation grows quickly. Let's keep going down into verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here we're presented with environmental factor number two, and that is an environment in which God's Word is twisted or changed or clouded to produce misunderstanding, and mistrust of a person to God. So notice what God's enemy, the serpent, did there. He probably knew exactly what God had said, which was to the man and the woman, you may eat from any tree in this garden except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree belongs to God alone because only God is the judge of what is right or wrong. So that tree is set aside for God's glory. You may eat from any other tree. But when the serpent came to the woman, he said, Did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? That's not what God said at all. But the enemy was trying to twist God's Word. So this is an environment in our life where God's Word gets misinterpreted, where we don't understand it with clarity, or where people try to change God's Word to fit what they actually want to do anyway. And then when the woman corrects the serpent, and when she tells him, no, we can eat from any tree except for one, and if we eat from that one, we will die, then the serpent tries to cause mistrust of God. He says to her, you're not really going to die. Actually, what's going to happen is this wonderful thing will occur in your life. You'll be like God. In other words, the serpent having twisted God's Word, now tries to plant seeds of mistrust. God really doesn't have your best intentions at heart. God really doesn't want you to do this because He knows that you'll be like Him. So this today for us may be a situation to where we're tempted to sin, we're battling that temptation, and the enemy comes to us. And the thought process is, yeah, I know what God said, but God really doesn't understand your situation. God really doesn't understand what's happened to you. God really doesn't understand what that person has done. God really doesn't understand what you're going through. Even the smallest amount of mistrust that the enemy can place in our hearts where we mistrust God or where we misinterpret or twist His words, that is an environment in which temptation can grow very, very quickly because we began moving further away from God, further away from His Word, further away from His community, and we're into a place where the enemy has more opportunity to tempt us and to actually cause us to sin. Let's look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So here's environmental factor number three, and that is a desire for self-gratification, which is uh, helped by or fueled by a Hiding of the consequences of sin. So let me try to walk that out. Notice in the text the words that were used. All of a sudden, all of a sudden the woman saw that the tree was good. Before, maybe it was her seeing God as good, and the tree is something she should stay away from. But now, she sees the tree, and it looks good to her. It's a delight to her eyes. She desires it. Let's be honest. Isn't that how temptation is? I mean, the very fact that it's temptation means there's something in us that wants to go after it, whether it's lust or hatred or unforgiveness or deception, whatever it may be, dishonesty, greed. There is something that is pulling us toward that sin. The temptation makes sin look good delightful, desirable. And what the enemy will do is he'll come along and he'll give us these thoughts. You know, you could do this and it really won't be a big deal. No one will ever know. God's not really going to punish you. He'll forgive you. You're not going to suffer because of this. Just one time won't hurt. So he builds this desire to Gratify ourselves by reaching out and grabbing this fruit, and He'll tell us it really won't be that bad. The consequences really won't be that bad. And in that environment where we're listening to that, temptation will grow quickly. We will grab a hold of the fruit of sin, and we will disobey God just like Adam and Eve did. So let's put a positive spin on this to end. How do we battle temptation? Because that was kind of the question that we started with. And the way we battle temptation is we fight against these environmental factors that we just mentioned. So let's talk about the opposite of these things and those the things that we can do to actually help uh, battle and get to the root of this plant of temptation and pull it out of the ground before it ever has a chance to produce sin. Number one, we need to stay close to God. The enemy wants to isolate us from God and His people. You and I, we need to stay close to God and stay close to His people. That means we need to be in the Word. We need to be in prayer every single day pursuing Jesus. We need to be a part of His community of faith that He's placed us in. Or we need to find one. We need to go to gatherings of the believers every opportunity we get. We need to reach out to one another in phone calls and text messages and emails and in face-to-face gatherings or or lunches, dinners, coffees, whatever it may be. We need to do those things to stay close to each other and exhort one another to move away from temptation. We need to confess to one another so that we can help each other stay away from temptation and ultimately stay away from sin. Number two, we need to pursue good doctrine. Where the enemy wants to twist God's Word and cause us to not trust Him, we need to pursue good doctrine. We need to pursue the truth of God's Word because as we pursue that and live that out, it will create trust more and more and more in our hearts toward God. The more we trust God, the harder it will be for the enemy to plant those seeds in our minds that God doesn't really have our best interest at heart. Even if He's giving us a hard word that we need to obey, we will know that it's good for us because God can be trusted. And then finally, we need to desire God's glory more than self-gratification. We need to desire good of others more than self-gratification. We need to understand the consequences of sin from God's Word. You know, we're not doing anyone any favors by hiding God's wrath. It's there in Scripture. Sin is deadly. Temptation is deadly, and we need to believe that and embrace that. And we need a desire to glorify God with our lives. Now, how do we get that desire? Pray for it. Ask God to give us the desire in our hearts to obey Him and glorify Him more than we want anything else. You know, the fertilizer that the enemy throws on the soil of of this temptation seed is impatience where we are not patient to wait on God to satisfy us, where we're not patient on God to come through and resolve a situation. And that impatience will cause us to quickly reach out and try to solve it ourselves, which is often sin. So you and I need a love for God's glory and a patient waiting on Him. We need a pursuit of good doctrine and we need to be in biblical community staying close to God those those environmental factors in our life will make it really hard for sin to grow, for temptation to grow and to produce sin. So thank you for taking time to be with us. I hope this has been a help today. If you have any questions about this topic, email me. I would love to hear from you. Info at agapepenson.com Or... You can reach out by even, if you're watching this video, commenting on the link that you see it on, and I'll be glad to get back with you. But until next time, grace and peace to your family. Thank you for listening to the Building Up Podcast. If you would like to subscribe to future episodes, you can search for... Building Up from Agape Church in your favorite podcatcher or visit us on our website at agapepenson.com